today. Pastors get a little bit of anxiety when the church falls apart during COVID and you don't know where everyone is and what's happening. And then they get a little bit of anxiety when everyone comes back and there's like five times as many people coming along, so we'll just process that a little bit. So today I'm going to talk about uh, the Christian vote in the upcoming by-election. Just to, uh, just to uh, cull things a little bit. And I'm going to start a five-week series on prosperity and uh, living your best life. So, uh, I could do that. I could do a five-week series on prosperity. And we'd have some people leave. And then we'd have some people that arrive as well. And the, the net gain of that would not be positive from a St. Luke's perspective. Trap, trap, but we didn't call the numbers at all, we just got prosperity people. No, that's weird. Good to be with you this morning. Uh, Alrighty. Church Life Scripture, I've been uh, chatting up on the, the next slide, I've been chatting loosely about all kind of Mormon. Church and life and scripture just in a kind of reasonably unorganized way, just weave those three things together a little bit just for a couple of weeks. Uh, when we get to scripture last week, this week, and next week, I'm going to be using the lectionary text, which is the, um, the passages that are selected for us, or have been kind of honed over a couple of thousand years with the church calendar being put together, a lectionary being put together, and set prayers being put together. We use the revised common lectionary. So this is a set passages, four set passages. So I'm diving into whatever that text is, and we'll go wherever that takes us. Uh, and you don't know what it is until you read the text. But I want to make some commentary on church, a little bit about life as well. Uh, main reason being that it does kind of feel like a coming back together at the moment. It, it, I know that that's not kind of technically true because we've, we've all been here or watching online or had COVID or been, you know, in bed. But there is a sense of coming back together at the moment. I, I'm aware there's plenty of new faces here this morning. I'd love to have you along as well. Uh, so there is a sense of coming back together. So I want to just talk loosely about church and life and scripture. And one of the things that drive that is kind of the thought of why would you even come back together? <laughs> you know, why bother? Uh, especially if we've had, you know, two and a half years worth of disruption. It's very easy to off ramp. Uh, this is a season where it's easy to off ramp anything. You know, you, 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 you know, you've played football your whole life. It's like, oh, I'm not bothering this season. Too complicated. And then you don't sign up the next season and then, oh, you've ended up off ramping. And, and church is no different, there's, there's all sorts of things. The, the last two and a half years have been really hard years to um, start new hobbies, get things going, join a new club, you know, it's like, whoa, slow down, I'm just, I'm exiting everything, not, not entrance. Why would we kind of come back? And I did touch on that last week. So a couple more paragraphs of intentionality, this is sort of waffle, I did write a couple of paragraphs last week, I've got, I think, two more for you today. Uh, this is from last Sunday. Now, we need the body of Christ, and we've already talked about why with life being a theatre for action. Uh, and that's not so straightforward as we might think. If life is a theatre for action, how are we going to act? And, and we've, we've got to figure that out. Right? As Christ followers, we're trying to figure out how to follow the way of Christ and act the way of Christ in life. But we need the church community to help us do that. Uh, we need the body of Christ. The body of Christ broken upon the cross, heaven's victory over sin and death. The body of Christ in the bread and wine of communion that reorientates wayward hearts back to the foot of the cross. And the body of Christ that is the church of Jesus in the world, known, experienced, and participated in, in the local church. And then this is new for this week. The local church, a creation of the Spirit, the community and communion of the saints, the people of God who have been called out of an old way of life and into the new 
to declare with Paul that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Those whose faith in Jesus brings them together, who are growing to become in every respect, and this is from Ephesians, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The work of a one another community. If you track through Paul's writing in the New Testament, uh, you see there's, there's, there's no shortage of one another verses. Be this to one another, be that to one another, treat one another like this. There's no shortage of one another verses. So one another community. For example, that prays for one another, cares for one another, encourages, uh, encourages one another, and bears one another's burdens. The work of a one another community that scatters throughout the nooks and crannies and the highways and byways of life as light that shines and flavor, as soft that flavors. So look, uh, the work of those, one another community that scatters throughout the nooks and crannies and highways and byways of life as light that shines and soft that flavors. The local church, the people that scatter and gather. Not the building that one gathers in, or even the event that one gathers for. So the church, the community that gathers together as a one another community. The church that scatters, the nooks and crannies, the highways and byways of life, to be salt, to be light. That's the church. Not the building, or even necessarily the event that one gathers at, but the people that are the community of God. Language evolves over time, of course, though, and, and terms change, and words that used to mean one thing that was very inappropriate now mean something quite appropriate, words that mean something appropriate now mean something very inappropriate, you can get in trouble when you're talking with different generations about different things doing, using different words. Language does evolve. So, uh, you know, up on the screen here, we've got we've got church that's used in multiple ways. We've got capital C church, the body of Christ in the world. Theologians sometimes talk about the, the universal church, maybe the cosmic church, but the, it's the it's inclusive of all the local church communities of the world, all those that follow Christ, all that have been before. It's this, this large entity, the body of Christ. Talk about that as the church. Talk about church as a local community of Christ followers. And even though I've just said it's not this, we, we do still come to end up talking about church as a Sunday event and church as a building. And I think that's what the Bible's talking about, but nevertheless, we use the term like that. And it's hard not to at times. Um, I've tried since we started St. Luke's 12 years ago. Sorry, we missed the 10 year celebration. Apologies. Uh, started to say we had lockdowns. It started church 12 years ago. I've tried always to refer to these as our gatherings rather than the Sunday service. Often you'll end up calling it the Sunday service, but service has this implication of um, come along and we'll serve you. We'll put on something for you. You'll be served. Now you could redeem that by going, well, let's call it a Sunday service, but we all come along to serve one another. Well, that would be okay. That would be fine. Uh, we've been using gathering, trying to use gathering instead of, um, instead of service. To, to our, it's participatory gathering. We gather to be your one another community. You know, the language slips up and, and, and it fails here at times. So I think the first two are correct, but the other two kind of happen understandably as well. So we've got to be careful. There's subtleties and nuances. I want the church to grow. Well, what does that mean? I want the church to grow. 
or you could you could apply it to you know most of those things in one way, shape, or form. Mainly though, I want the church building to grow. That's what I want. I want to renovate things. You know, maybe you can you can we aim that. Jesus loved the church and gave his life for her. That'll be the event. Pretty sure that'll be the event that Jesus loved. Loves meetings. He always does. He loved the, the prophets that would always talk about the music festivals and the. Uh, oh no, that's right. No, hated them. Wanted mercy. Just oh, that's so confusing. During uh, those times when we were not able to gather together, there were some Christian leaders bemoaning the persecution of the church that we could not gather together. I'm not sure that the gathering is what Jesus loved and gave himself for so much. Church is boring. Church is boring. What do you mean? It's a cool building. We've got like icons and things up and paintings. <coughs> oh no, oh, they're, they're preaching. Come on, people. Church is boring. The body of Christ. People have got in there boring people. <laughs> Look around this room. Who do you want to have a coffee with here? That's not not anyone. Depending on what you're talking about, you get yourself in trouble when we talk about these different things. So we need to be careful. The building and the Sunday event, the worship gathering, so that the building and the Sunday event are to serve upwards. The building is to serve the gathering. The gathering is to serve the local community of Christ followers. The local community of Christ followers are to serve the wider body of Christ, to be the body of Christ. It's meant to go upwards in terms of the the uh, what's working for what kind of thing. That, uh, that's not the best thing in the world, but it's meant to go upwards. There's some headlines at the moment where it feels like it's going downwards in some ways. The body of Christ is there for the local church, which is there for an event, which is there for gaining property. So that gets complicated and running into trouble. And when you get around the wrong way, you do end up potentially railroading or running over people rather than adding life and value to people. So we want to get that around the right way. The totality of all of that exists to bring glory to God. That's probably not a surprise. Doesn't exist to bring glory to the ego or the shadow self of the senior pastor. Be a surprise. It exists to bring glory to God. It's a two-way street, though. It doesn't exist to bring glory to the ego or shadow self of the congregation either. Because there's as much ego with pastors as what there are with congregations. Wanting to go to a church that is amazing. To be in that our church is the fastest growing church in New Zealand. Well, we probably are, based on the last three <laughs> Theology from the ego and shadow self in the same way that you can pursue numbers. Want to have the 
the most multicultural church or the greatest youth ministry or the most community-minded church. Well, you, you can pursue any of those things from ego and shadow self as well. So we remember the whole totality of this exists to bring glory to God, not to us that are the people of the church, the people of God. Success in the economy of God is transformed lives, not YouTube hits. I know that's a revelation for some of you watching on YouTube, but it's restoration and reconciliation, not write-ups or recognition. Success in the economy of God is transformed lives, restoration, reconciliation. It's space made at the table of the Lord where all are welcome to come and receive the love, the grace, the mercy, the goodness, the kindness, the forgiveness of God. But when that's forgotten, cast aside in pursuit of church as an epic event. Well, it ends up kind of getting us ends up flipping things upside down. And like I said, the community of Christ's followers ends up being trodden over and hurt, and it's not how it's supposed to be. So last week I talked about church, and I was really kind of talking about the, this is how carefully you've got to be with your language, I was really kind of talking about the event, you know, you, know, you can slip into it, I kept referring to church, I realised we were talking about gathering. Language. But I said, um, it's not a show or a performance. I'm not trying to put on a show or a performance. Uh, it's not always entertaining and exciting. It's not always easy to come along, to turn up, to be present. I don't always find it easy to come along and turn up to be present. Um, it's not even always interesting. Sometimes it's boring. It's all those kinds of things. Sometimes that can be a challenge with kids or teenagers. It's boring. It's, like, it's church. Boring or exciting is the wrong category to measure church by. But that's tricky when you, you know, I've got my own three kids. One that's 15 now. You're trying to, it's like, not everything that's good for us is exciting and entertaining and easy and over in four minutes and on Netflix. <laughs> some, of the, some of the things that are the, the very best for us can be hard going and a slog and a discipline and a commitment and a long haul and a slow, steady journey, a long obedience in the same direction. So church, we, we, it's, we get into trouble if we're trying to pursue entertaining or exciting or epic. If you're visiting with us and you're looking for entertaining, exciting and epic, sorry. Um, I do have one E word that maybe it can be. I think it can be engaging. I think we could pursue church as being a gathering that is engaging. I think engaging is probably fair enough. I think that's probably... Let's not aim for exciting. Let's not aim for entertaining. It might be exciting at times. It might be entertaining at other times. When we talk about who you should vote for, definitely, because it says so in the Book of Judges, that'll be exciting and entertaining. That's <laughs> in Proverbs 32. You can look that up. Um, it won't always be that. It might be that at times, but it, it can't be that as the goal. But maybe, maybe we can work to make it engaging. Maybe it can always be engaging. Especially if the onus on making it engaging is on you and not on me. <laughs> on you and not the MC or the worship team. If church is engaging because of the disposition you have when you turn up, when you arrive, when you gather, rather than because of what anything anyone else needs to do, well, that can be engaging. As a parent with three children, you end up going to events that you really don't want to go to. Uh, one of the great blessings of COVID over the last two and a half years has been camping.
cancelled uh, recitals and uh, sort of trying to work out where my family are. Uh,
culture at the moment to experience anger or frustration or jealousy or fear or resentment or bitterness or friction or those kinds of emotional toxicity. Probably in a way beneath the surface, you might have noticed that. When I encounter that, I don't think to myself, I know what we need. We need more exciting and entertaining churches to counter the emotional toxicity. That's definitely what we need. Funnily enough, I don't think that. I don't, oh man, we need, if we can make Sundays more fun, maybe that would counter the emotional toxicity that we experience. It's not the conclusion that I come to. Bigger screens and brighter lights and trendier pastors and some preachers and decent sneakers, that would be good. There's an Instagram account called Preachers and Sneakers. I don't know if trendier sneakers are going to make much of a difference in an environment of anger and resentment and frustration and bitterness and hurt. I don't know if that's the solution. I have to go to Proverbs 33 for that one. Maybe. Think rather a community marked by love. Gathering that has an atmosphere of love. I think that's probably the counter to emotional toxicity. Community of love. So we can make it engaging, but really beyond that, we start to jump back into the scriptures and we find this call to be the community of love. The social community that loves one another. So here's the lectionary readings for today up on the screen. It's the fifth Sunday of Lent, uh, fifth Sunday of Easter. And uh, these are the these are the passages that are given to us. Psalm 148, the, these, these passages aren't perhaps as famous or as well known as last Sunday's one. Psalm 148, um, I won't read all of it, but it starts, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise Him from the heights above, praise Him all His angels, praise Him all His heavenly hosts, praise Him sun and moon, praise Him all you shining stars, praise Him you highest heavens and waters above the skies, then praise the name of the Lord, for at His command they were created. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths and lightning and hail and snow and clouds and stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and hills, and it goes on. All of creation, all of creation, praise the name of the Lord. And then in verse 14 it says, And he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart, praise the Lord. He has raised up a uh, in an ancient Near Eastern context in Israel, uh, to raise up mourners, to raise up strength, to raise up a savior, to raise up a deliverer, to raise up a comfort, to raise up one who comes alongside, to raise up victory, to raise up sustenance. It's all it's a kind of fusion of all of those kinds of ideas. So in this passage, Psalm 148, essentially Israel praising God for God has loved them. Acts chapter 11, verse 1 to 18. Uh, that's the story of Peter who has a dream. And in his dream, these unclean animals come down. And, he, and, he, and the Spirit of the Lord speaks to him and says, I take these animals and kill these animals and eat them. He's like, I ain't going to eat these animals. I've never eaten pork my whole life. Why am I going to suddenly start doing that kind of thing? And uh, he's told, don't, don't say that's unclean, which I'll call clean. He wakes up in the morning and these people have come and asked they want to go and travel to a house that's a Gentile house. 
He's had this dream about eating unclean animals, and now he's going to go and hang out with unclean Gentiles. And go, well, I better do it. I had a dream. So off he goes, and he preaches the gospel to these Gentiles. And then they all get saved and filled with the Spirit, and they start speaking in tongues kind of thing. And Paul goes back, uh, Peter goes back and talks to the uh, other disciples, and they're like, what are you doing? Can't do that. It's like, well, I had a dream. And then I went, and I preached the gospel, and they all got saved, and they were speaking in tongues. And it says that the other apostles, they say in Acts 11, verse, one, uh, verse 18, so then, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Oh man, it's like, whoa! So even to the Gentiles, God's, God's offered this repentance that leads to life. This is outstanding. Revelation 21, verse 1 to 6, is uh, one of my favorite passages. Heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They'll be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. It's the reunification of heaven and earth, that God's dwelling place is now among the people. So we've got this little progression happening. Psalm 148, we've got Israel, loved by God. Acts chapter 11, we've got the, these Gentile people, they've been loved by God as well. Revelation 21, we've got all humanity together under the rule and reign of God, loved by God. In John 13, chapter 31, uh, John chapter 13, verse 31 to 35. The marker of all these people that are loved by God, their love for one another. He was gone. Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify him at once. It's all to do with the cross and laying down his life and being raised up and preserved. My children, I'll be with you only a little longer. You will look for me just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you love one. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In an environment of emotional toxicity, I don't think better sneakers for preachers, entertainment, epicness, whatever is the answer, even potentially engaging is not the But that we would grow to be a community that loves one another. Now, we can have worship like we had that this morning that was so peaceful. It's like to come in here is to come into a place of peace, a place of refuge. So what I want you to do is work really hard at summoning up from the depths of your heart wonderful feelings of love and delight and best wishes for all the people around you. Go, just bring that up from the deep places. No? Okay, alright. Um, what I want you to be doing during the week is just when you're at your desk and you're doing your work, just start daydreaming. Just let your mind kind of drift off and just start daydreaming about all the wonderful people at St. Luke's that you love. Come. No? No, take this for that either. Alright. Uh, a couple of times a week, please spontaneously burst into tears of joy as you reflect on the people that you get to gather at the table of the Lord. Okay, we're not, it's not, I don't feel like having a moment at the moment. No, we're not, we're not, in the, we're not quite in alignment. What is love? What is it to love one another? Um, that's what, it is the fallen love perhaps. But what is it to love one another? Well, Paul, 
talks of love in 1 Corinthians 13. And we we see a combination of attitude and actions that essentially equals us to embrace, to guide the way that we engage with one another. Kind of sum them up in a positive sense here, or put them all in the the active sense. First one, love is patient. So maybe you can't spontaneously burst into tears this week if you think of St. Luke's people. Maybe what you can do is that when we gather together, we can be patient with one another. Maybe that's the start. Let's just start by being a community that is patient with one another. Be patient with one Love is kind. Well, let's be a community that treats one another with thoughtfulness, generosity, and grace. It's fine. You just find somebody that you can treat with thoughtfulness and generosity and grace. That's pretty good. That work. That's better than emotional toxicity. Thoughtfulness, generosity, and grace. Love is content. The other way around is love is not envy. Love is content. So just come to celebrate one another. Weep with those who weep, but rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Come be present to one. Love is humble. One of the texts says love is not proud, so love is humble. So don't ever gather here thinking you need to outrank anyone in any way, shape, or form. I say it often enough when we gather at the table, nobody needs God's grace more this morning than anyone else. You might be thinking to yourself, oh no, you knew the week I had, I really need a good dose of grace, I need the, the really full cup this morning. No. And there's probably someone else thinking, oh, I can skip it this morning, I've had a good week, I don't think I need, no, no, it doesn't work like that. We all need the love and grace of God equally. So no one outranks anyone at the communion table. If there's a line forming, just push it around to the side of the outside. That's why we have the little cup and the little bread, is to, to make it all equal. Corinthians, Paul gets angry at them because well-to-do people were arriving, because communion was a bigger meal, it's, it's hard to do this was a bigger meal. But people were arriving early and eating huge helpings of meal and there was none there for others. Because you've not discerned the body of Christ really. You've not thought about your brothers and sisters. It's helping yourself. Don't do that. Humble. Love honors. Love honors. So we want to create an honor culture here at St. Louis. That's in the news as well. What's an honor culture? We honor one another. Honor in every direction. It's not actually a directional thing, it's a relational thing, not a directional thing. Honor. Honor, honor. Look to the interests, not only the interests of others. Christ came to lay down his life. Love that serves. Church is not self seeking, but is interested in the well being of others. Love that is calm. It's calm, be calm. Alright. Don't stress, be calm. We need the Queen's crown somewhere on the way. Church community that's peaceable and patient, not angry or hostile. Love that keeps no records, lives grace, not scorekeepers. Love that celebrates the truth, the way of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, the life of Jesus. Love that protects. It's common. If you notice somebody that's looking vulnerable, get alongside them. Be present to them. Love that 
trusts people and hopes and preserves and believes the best. That's probably the, one of the biggest opposites of the world that we live in at the moment. We live in a world that does not trust anyone, does not believe the best, will not persevere. Let's love them, believe the best, persevere. So how are we going to get everyone to behave like that? That's the question. No, it's not the right question. It's not the question. The question is just for each of us to ask ourselves, how can I better live like that? Not how do I get all of these people to run? How do I better live like that? You just ask yourself, how, how do you better be more peaceful and calm? Come alongside the run. Be patient and calm. Over time, those things come together to be context of love. This is Gary on the screen. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if we have any Garys. I couldn't think of any Garys, but if I've missed a Gary, sorry. Any memory Be kind to everyone. Wait, even Gary? Gary's the worst. Look, we've been through this. Yes, be kind to Gary as well. Ha ha, suck it, losers. Oh, not now, Gary. <laughs> Maybe though, I do my best to live this out. Maybe you could do your best to live that out. Maybe the person in front of you could do their best to live that out. Maybe the person behind you could do their best to kind of live that out as well. Maybe if we all do that, maybe Gary might be inspired to make a little bit more of an effort. The question isn't how we get most people to be like that. How do we get Gary to step up? And it's, how do I step up? And you ask yourself, how do you, how do you step up? Be loved and kind and patient to those around you. In an environment of increasing emotional toxicity, the church as a community of love, well, maybe that's the thing that can be something of a game changer. A Christ-focused, peaceful, intelligent, anchored, calm, patient environment of Maybe that's what St. Luke's can be. Maybe we can't make it entertaining and exciting all the time, but we can make it a Christ-focused, peaceful, intelligent, anchored, calm, patient environment of Why? Because that is what Christ is to us. 1 Corinthians 13 is Paul's description of love. God is love, John says. What does that mean? It means that how is God with us? God is patient and kind, not angered, generous, calm, keeps no records, celebrates. If God can be that to me, maybe I can be that to the world around me. how the world will know you and my disciples, not your conferences and album parties, not your grand events or epic auditoriums, but your love for one. Alright, let's stand together. We're going to close with communion. We're going to close by gathering at the Lord's table. This is really the thing that brings us together. Our common understanding and revelation that we need the love and the grace and the mercy of God in our lives and then Maybe, hopefully, we can be that to the world around us as well. If you're visiting with us, if you haven't had communion with us, I can read an introduction to communion. We've got a table here at the front, got one at the back, just in a disorderly manner, bump shoulders with the other people that are coming to receive God's grace and mercy. And then just take a moment to be still and receive it.